Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank all you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. Uh, let's. <clears throat> the last episode uh, was a little bit heavy. Um, but I think it was something important to talk to uh, talk about. So check that one out. Uh, it's uh, it's it's very startling and sad to see, to hear some of these stories that these players have and are sharing now and are coming out and sharing um, about certain coaches uh, in the NHL, um, their experience with these coaches, and and whether and those coaches are now in the NHL or we're just in the NHL. Um, and just yeah, it's a, it's a very very sad 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 reality um an unfortunate um series of events that have transpired and some allegations that have been levied uh as i've said as i said in the last episode of the seems legit podcast make sure to check out and and keep in tune on any of your whatever you get your sports kind of news from keep in touch with these stories i think these are going to be what are making headlines um i would very much consider uh this something that you to be following uh so anyway check out the last episode listen to what i had to say there and then yes keep um keep up to date with it uh, and whatever your source uh for sports news is check them out to see if they've uh as things are break i think this is going to be something that's going to develop very very quickly over the next 28 to 48 hours um i think um the, the seriousness uh, of the allegations that are being levied um, are too much to um, to to really let this drag on for long uh, for any kind of extended period of time. Uh, it seems like even now, like I've refreshed my TSN.ca feed, there's new stuff coming out there. So uh, anyway, keeping uh, up to date with that. Uh, nonetheless, let's get away from hockey altogether uh, and let's uh, have a little bit of poker talk. And uh, kind of like uh, a little bit of a pep talk here from Coach Sonny, uh, so to speak. And it's uh, as I find myself kind of stepping into those, you know, new kind of stages of my life and whatnot, I find myself wanting to, being drawn to, and being put in positions more so to kind of act in, in a way as a true poker coach to people. And it's something I kind of want to get more into and and, and plan on doing and um but anyway, one of the things I wanted to talk about today uh, isn't, you know, it's not just a, it's not a sales pitch. Oh, come and hire me. Um, one of the things I want to talk about and where, I, you know, I do feel like that's where the, the value is uh, of having your own coach um, there with you uh, through your grind is that idea that not all grinds are the same, right? So if you're grinding out tournaments, if you're grinding out free rolls, whatever it is you are doing uh, to build uh, a bankroll, to grow your bankroll, to um, earn a living playing poker, uh, even if you just want to be better at you know your local game, all grinds are con- are different. And and to all of you out there that are grinding through the poker lifestyle, I think this episode probably applies a little more to you um, than maybe your casual or amateur player. But every grind is a little different, and I don't mean that just from the perspective that how each peep every person grinds is different. I mean it from the perspective that the type of grind you enter, the games you're playing, the stakes you're playing at, all of these things 
have a direct impact and all are different uh, from one another. So on, on the general, so it's a more macro level than micro looking at just any one person specific case. And that's why you typically and why I do when I look at you know, when I offer coaching or, you know, talk to people on my, you know, quote unquote poker team, uh, those are one of the things we, you know, you have to discuss is what are you playing? What stakes are you playing at? Where are you playing at? All of these things go into kind of the advice spectrum and whatnot that you're giving and offering. And for instance, I know a couple of summers ago, so last summer of 2018, uh, one of my really close friends, uh, my best friend down in Vegas, uh, Anthony, uh, was uh, Token Tony was playing uh, a few events, and uh, there was one in particular he was playing. I wasn't playing it, but I spent the whole day there. And and you know what? My job throughout that t- process is very different. It changes. It varies. It's not just to sit there and remind of strategy. Sometimes it's just that calming presence, whatever it might be. Um, but nonetheless, found that. And and the idea there is that, for instance, he played a couple of tournaments. Well. Not all tournaments, firstly, are created equal. Not all tournaments have the same on the line. Not all tournaments have the same stakes. This is a situation where you have to look at it. So if he's playing for a World Series of Poker bracelet, which, as a matter of fact, he was, uh, the, the advice there and the structure of the tournament is going to dictate the advice, which is going to be different from when he was playing a turbo bounty tournament a couple of weeks later at a different venue, which by the way, he did go on to win. He collected, not only did he, he just cleaned house that event. Um, and uh, I think he collected, yeah, he collected the most bounties out of anyone and won first place. Like it was a good night for him. And you start to, you know, you look at things like that and the advice spectrum is going to be different because now all of a sudden you have bounty considerations versus bracelet considerations. You have, you know, clock considerations. You have the stakes of the buy-in considerations. You have the prestige of the event to consider. And you have the fact that it's the game you're playing. Be no limit hold'em. If someone's playing PLO, if someone's playing Raz, Stud, Mixed Game, whatever it is, um... These are things that go into kind of understanding the grinds you're in. Also, tournament grinding is very different from cash grinding. Uh, as I had shared with you a couple of episodes ago when we when I talked about that quote and, and, or assessment, I believe it was Kale Burns had given on the state of poker, he's very it, it is very accurate. Cash games by nature are are meant to be predatory. They are very, very predatory in nature, structurally, and in practice. Um, when you go to your casino, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, quote-unquote fish at every level, but as you kind of go through the levels and you're playing higher stakes, yes, there are better players waiting to pounce on you like a lion on a wounded gazelle. You know, or maybe you are the lion waiting to pound on a wounded gazelle. That is 100% fine. Um, But that's the nature of the game. You're there because you're playing cash money for cash money, trying to make a living, trying to grind out a living. And whether that's the early stage of building a bankroll or a guest, this is what I built up the bankroll that basically now I am my own company, my own business in the sense that I go to work and make money with my money. My my money is now working for me and kind of with me. If you're at that stage, then yeah, it's, it's a predatory game. 
And there are some predatory elements, yes, in tournaments, right? Strong tournament players know how to exploit weaknesses of tournament of weaker tournament players or less experienced tournament players. Um, if you're just jumping up to higher stakes tournaments, so buy-ins are higher. Yeah, there are players that are way more accustomed to, uh, for instance, playing those events. You know, so that there, there's that predatory nature to it as well. Like, are you going to make the, are, can you make the calls you need to make? Can you make the folds you need to make? Can you play the way you need to play now that the tournament buy-ins have gone up a little bit or now that you're playing higher buy-in tournaments? So these are all factors to consider um, in terms of that predatory nature. So understanding that now in cash games, it's even bigger because now like your direct bankroll, you're not on the hook for, you know, 400, 500. Now you're like playing bankroll money, right? You have a little more, there's that idea of in cash, yeah, you have control, but it is predatory. If you're playing a good hand, like you have a strong holding, let's, and let's say no limit hold on, and someone else is in a hand with you, more than likely they also know what they're doing. Right? And that's where you can run into monster over monster in hands. You can set over set situations. Whatever it might be, that's when those things happen. And that's a grind in itself, right? Is that the mental fortitude, the sharpness it takes to kind of stay on top, to stay focused, to understand that, yes, okay, these are how you play these situations. This is how you stay ahead of your opponents. This is how you stay with your opponents. Tournaments, again, it's a very different thing. You win a hand in a cash game, that's your money. You win a hand in a poker tournament, for a long part of that tournament, it's kind of like, so what? You're positioning yourself, right? So it's a different type of grind now. Now, rather than waiting for necessarily big hands, which is kind of the cash game feel, right? You're not going to play every hand. And that's typically what a lot of pros will say is the weakness um, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, the, the amateur and recreational players is that they, you know, is the ability to understand when is a good holding and what is a, goal, a good holding. It's that understanding that kind of separates them. And that, and there is a lot of truth in that, in that analysis and assessment. But when it comes to understanding that grind, like cash game grinding is a time, it can be even more time consuming times, but there's that variance of time. I was, I'm always one when I'm, when I'm on a cash grind and live poker that if I make my goal amount, my kind of stop win number, I'm good to go. And there's been many times when, for instance, that's happened in like an hour and a half. I've made what I wanted to make for that day or even for two sessions. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I could be greedy. Yeah, maybe it's my night. But what happens if it stops? So why, why not take some time off versus you know, continuing to grind. And I was always, and I always have been one of those types of players. When it comes to tournaments, right? There are players that go out and multi-table live tournaments, in-person tournaments. Sean Deeb is very well known for multi-tabling multiple events at the World Series. That's a fucking task in itself. Because now all of a sudden you win a hand, okay, great. You can sit out a while and, for instance, in a cash game setting. Tournament, not so much. Those chips have values they are there to get you to a position where you can succeed to get you into the money right so now all of a sudden and even how you're rewarded in tournament versus cash play those are all things that factor in and play a role in your grind and in your mindset during this grind even live versus online you know 
there's there's differences there um, in the cash game versus tournament. Some of these tournaments, these online tournaments, go over two. That's a long time. Two days is a long time to be staring at a computer screen. That is an absolute long time to be stuck there, sitting there looking at a um, at a computer screen playing the same tournament. Now the difference is with uh, online tournaments is I can be playing online cash games at the same time, grinding out, keeping entertainment. I can be at home watching my TV, you know, all these things that kind of alleviate, uh, a huge portion of the stress when it comes to, um, when it comes to playing online or poker in general, cash games, Again, there's that different animal to it. In live game, you have things you don't have in in online poker. You have tells. You know that whatever studying and work people have put away from the felt, that remains away from the felt. When you're playing people online, you don't know what charts they're pulling up, what software they may be use may or may not be using, whatever it might be. That is now also facilitating things. And I mean, the, I, I think it was Doug Polk. I had watched uh, a YouTube video of his where he talked about, you know, for instance, the difficulty at being um, successful at uh, the Zoom games. And Zoom is a format they have on PokerStars where after every hand you change tables uh, to keep the action going. In its nature, it's a very predatory style game. Uh, especially for the No Limit Hold'ems and Pot Limit Omaha, especially Pot Limit Omaha. I imagine Zoom Pot Limit Omaha is far worse than No Limit Hold'em in the grand scheme of it. And I've actually started putting together some uh, Excel spreadsheets to um, gather the data on my own play and uh, be able to break that down too uh, to offer kind of some insight as well on those. But I find at least when I'm grinding online playing those Zoom tables, um, I notice it is very predatory and it does kind of bring out the best in you in a little bit. That level of sharpness that is required, uh, especially for me, I want to be clear, I don't use any of these available these tools. And some people might say, oh, well, why wouldn't you use them? I just play poker for what it is. Uh, when I play poker, I don't believe I need to gain any advantage um, in that. And as I said... That, that's just my take on it. And yeah, there, I, I, I know I could receive a ton of criticism for that, for people being like, oh my God, that's an idiot decision. That's an idiot move. That's why you play online poker is to be able to ha use these softwares or whatever it might be. So be it. Let's just look at the principles of the game, whatever it is. People can save that uh, that jargon and, and, and crap for another time. But for me, when I kind of look at and think about the principles at play, when you're zooming, when you can play Zoom poker, and, and I'm sure all the different websites have their own kind of variant of it, um, by its nature, players have the opportunities to always be playing in optimal circumstances. Uh, that's something that's very important to remember that everybody that you're playing with is also having a chance to optimize. So it's not just using your charts anymore to be like, okay. I'm in the hijack. These are my hands. This is what I should open with. Well, wait a second. You could be presented in the opportunity to have the optimal strategy given that. But guess what? Someone else is also having that same fucking opportunity. And that's what I think makes it kind of even more difficult and very predatory. And how it's hard to kind of have that consistent success. And kind of any real kind of long-term success playing that variant. 
of online poker. I get that. I, I 100% get the nature of that beast. I wholeheartedly can see how that's the case. And I've experienced it where I'm like, wow, that literally was a situation of monster over monster. I lost with top boat to quads. You know, I've had that happen. I've seen that. I've won with monster hand versus monster hand. I've won with the quads against the boat. Um, it just is what it is, but you're more likely to have those experiences in a game format that is kind of optimized as well. And I think that's where, pardon me, that discussion and where that kind of analysis of zoom poker, um, being more difficult or being one of the more difficult forms to have uh, success at, because if you are a weaker player, you are going to get exposed. Like you are going to be picked apart. Like, it is not going to be fun, it is not going to be profitable, and it is not a way to build your bankroll. I can tell you that right now. If you are a weak player, you want to keep those stakes low As you go, if you want to move into playing the Zoom tables. Um, again, the same thing of it, though, applies as it does in live poker. With when If you're not playing a Zoom table, you're playing a regular standard ring game. Again, that's why players multi-table, because... By nature, it's a relatively boring endeavor, especially online where you don't have that kind of stimulus that you would necessarily have a casino of other people, of human interaction. You don't have that. So that's why you see the multi-tabling effect. And that's where a lot of the talk about kind of the top online pros, that's why they multi-table. It's That's true. That's why you have tools at your disposal to use because you're like, okay, I can multi-table and... Um, always be playing optimal strategy, optimal online poker. And that's where kind of that you see those bankroll challenges kind of emerge from where, you know, you have a player that'll want to take a hundred dollars and turn it into a thousand or a hundred into 10,000 or whatever it might be. Um, you do have that, uh, because again, it's, um, it's about optimizing, trying to make as much money as possible because in cash games, you have that opportunity to do that. Every hand you win has an immediate and direct impact versus kind of in tournament play. Now in tournament play, the nice thing is, especially online, is the buy-ins can be considerably lower just because of the volume of player that can be reached um, in order to win some money as well. So those are some of the nice things there. But again, even online, it comes down to what kind of online quote-unquote pro you want to be. There are guys that grind out online sit-and-goes. And whether it be six max sit-and-goes, heads-up sit-and-goes, uh, whatever it is, that's that's a different type of grind in itself. Um, I know I've multi-tabled some heads-up matches uh, where I've had a couple on the go, whatever it might be. Uh, but yeah, there's, a, there's there are challenges built into that as well when it comes to kind of how you navigate that. Uh, the level of focus it requires, the level of sharpness it requires um, in order to have success kind of doing uh, such a strategy. So when you think about these different things, just kind of understand that not all grinds are the same as you go through your poker career. And that's why you'll hear players like sometimes they'll say, yeah, the live tournament series of the summer is hard it's a hard grind and especially for players that are at that level that are playing those bigger higher stakes cash games yeah 
that grind for a relatively small paycheck versus what they could be making in one hand of a cash game does 100% um, have an impact on their desire to play. Uh, I know, for instance, there have been some summers I go down to play uh, uh, during the summer season, and I do find myself playing way more cash games or playing a different game because A, that's the opportunity to play it, and B, um, when you have those kind of opportunities to play those games, uh, you want to take them, especially if it's a game you have a distinct advantage over, um, like it's a game you have a, a certain proficiency at. Um, but yeah, it's like if you're highly profitable in your cash games, you're not necessarily going to want to give up that profitability to kind of go and essentially be satelliting yourself into tournaments. And there have been times when I know it happens with other players, it's happened to me too, where you kind of find yourself, especially for us grinders, us regular everyday true poker grinders, uh, there are times where you're like, wait, I'm basically winning money one night just to go and put it in at a tournament the next day. Like, you kind of have to be thinking that as well. And it's okay to take a step back. And sometimes that's where that coaching comes in to be like, hey, you know what? Let's pause here. We're about having success. That's what we're here to do. Right? Let's put ego aside and let's look for the climb to success. How do we have that climb to success? And when you think about it from that perspective, well, now all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a second. That's when you need to be reminded, hey, it's not it's not tournament day. It might actually be rest day today because you're so profitable on the cash games over your last four sessions. Let's just take a moment to regroup here. Or, you know what? You're still sharp. You still want to play? Fuck yeah. All right, let's go and do it. Right? So I think... There's so many things to think of, and this was kind of a bit of a rambling on episode here, some poker talk, but I just thought I'd liven it up and lighten up the mood a little bit after our last episode, um, which, I mean, it affected me profoundly as well recording that last episode, uh, so that's why I try to lighten it up with a little bit of poker talk here, um, but yeah, as I said, the big thing here I wanted to talk about today is just that not all grinds are the same, and it's kind of like how I say anything, you don't quite know what somebody else's experience is until you've done it, right, so myself and that's why I like to impart that wisdom and share that with all of you out there uh that give me your time and are willing to listen to what I have to say is that I get it I've been there I do do it I am in there with you so it's not about me coming in here and trying to praise oh rah rah look how great a poker player I am look at my this it's more so saying like I'm in the trenches with you I get um all these things I want you to know that yeah it's okay to kind of think like hey wait a second I know it, maybe it seems counterintuitive, but this online grinding is actually a little harder, for instance, than in-person grinding because I don't get something that gives me a huge advantage in person. Or, you know what, everybody might be so fucking good in the game you're playing that you're like, well, wait a second, it's hard to maintain or acquire any kind of profitability in this, or I'm finding that I'm having some trouble in these sessions, right? And even the studying and stuff you put into it, the work you put in aside from playing, I mean, varies depending on what you're playing. And it all kind of is a growing process, right? And that's why I always say, like, I'm a student, like, on top of being what I believe to be a very high-level player, it's, um, I'm a very knowledgeable player as well of the game. I'm a very I'm a student of poker. Where was poker at? Where is poker at now? 
what are good hands? What are the strategies being used? Uh, as well as a fan of the game. You know, I can watch poker and be like, yeah, I, I don't mind sitting in front of the TV or having it on in the background and watching poker, right? I'll go through the channel and be like, oh, poker's on. Okay, I'll put that on. That'll be my choice of entertainment, whatever it might be. So being a fan of the game and being willing to talk and read about and learning about the game is a big help as well, right? It's no different than kids that grew up playing hockey and reach a certain age and, you know, as they say, I get to live out my childhood dream of playing in the NHL because, or whatever sport it might be, but I'm just using hockey. It's like, yeah, because you probably, as much as you love playing hockey, are a fan of hockey. It's so ingrained in you that that's why you're willing to go out and play the game. Oh, and you have a particular skill set that sets you apart from everybody else, right? Is it you have to love what you're doing and be good at what you're doing. And uh, poker is really no different from that. So it's a, kind of my way also of pointing out to the people that may not be in the poker community, but kind of pointing out that, yeah, like poker players are just as hardworking, professional kind of athletes, if you would, in a different sense, kind of, you know, mind athletes as, you know, any other kind of endeavor. There's a certain, you know, anything that you compete to earn your living Poker's no real is no real difference. You know, that's a big thing to remember as uh, to keep in mind as well. So when you watch poker, you know, if you're a fan or you're a casual or amateur player, or recreational player, like and you watch it, like there's a lot of work, a lot of studying, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of mental head uh, you know, heartaches, a lot of mental, you know, those headaches, just downswings, all of that that come with being a poker player that's no different than anything else. It's like when people ask me, like, what's it like being a poker? Like, it must be the greatest thing. <laughs> it's no different than when I've asked, run into people that I'm friends with, and then I'm like, oh, hey, man, like, wh how, what's it like being a lawyer? It's a job. It's a job. Well, do you like doing your job? Yes. Okay, then. That's the question at Taz. Do you like the work you do? Yes. Okay, then there you go. But at the end of the day, it is work. When I sit down to grind playing poker, uh, when I go to play live poker, like it's it's work, it's a job. It's this is what pays my bills. This is what affords me things I want. This is what allows me to be able to do things for and with you know uh, with Jess, my significant other. This is what allows me to do things for my family. Um, and that's kind of you know so even for, and and uh, going back to the players now like. It's important that we keep that in mind as well, right? Like, we are lucky to be able to do this, right? Whatever you end up doing as an endeavor for your career and that allows you to separate yourself from others, like, you're lucky to be able to do that. So take that in the, you know, appreciate the fact that, yes, you do have a special set of skills and that it's okay to feel like, yes, there is a value to that. Um, nonetheless... Uh, just some light and uh, airy poker talk today. Um, I thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. For all you out there grinding, keep it up. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, again, if you are interested in um, some coaching, uh, you know, working with you, uh, feel free to reach out on Twitter or Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. 
uh, would love to uh, work with any of you out there. So uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, as I said on Twitter, on Instagram, at the dude Sunny D. I thank you all so much uh, for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. Uh, again, a big congratulations to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, as you guys know, I'm from Winnipeg. So as a Winnipegger, big congratulations to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers ending the 29-year championship drought and winning the Grey Cup. Uh, the parade's going on right now. Uh, but yes, nonetheless, big congratulations to them. Thank you all so much. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Take care and bye bye for now.